Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 253. I'm recording this on August 10th, 2023, and this will go live on the 14th of August, Monday. And we are just cruising through the summer. I hope your summer is going well, and I hope that you are looking forward towards the fall. Fall is always kind of like the second new year when people you know, turn over a new leaf, take on something new. I would love to know what direction you're going in as a yoga teacher, or maybe you're just getting ready to start teaching, or maybe you're thinking about getting back to teaching after taking a break for some reason. I know there are a lot of different uh, people out there that listen to my podcast, and I'd love to know more about you and where you're at. So feel free to send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. So today's episode, I'm going to tell you right off the top, is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Sometimes I tend to go on or have guests. Today's going to be really short and focused. And the reason for that is because I want to just kind of change it up a little bit and just kind of get right to the heart of the matter and give you something just kind of a short, small bite that you can kind of take off into your life and into your teaching and and hopefully it will have a positive impact. So there's really um, a, a short theme and then a larger theme, and then we'll kind of, I'll pull it all together for you in, in kind of an action plan of sorts. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is a theme that's come up in a number of different phone calls that I've had over the past few weeks. So if you're one of the people I, I've spoken to know that as I share this idea or this thought, it's you're not the only one that has shared this with me. So I just wanted to say that because sometimes I actually get DMs from people saying, I listened to the podcast and you were talking about me. And that absolutely can happen because so much of what I share on social media and here on the podcast is inspired by real conversations I have with teachers. And I'm I'm so glad I have a chance to talk to, to teachers on a regular basis and really find out what's going on with people? What are the thoughts that they're having? What are the barriers and the blocks that they're facing? What are the successes and, and fun, wonderful things that are happening too? So, you know, a lot of my inspiration comes from talking to you and hearing from you. And a lot of what fuels me is when I hear from yoga teachers about the challenges they're having and the mental blocks they're having and the limiting beliefs they're having and really helping them move past those things. And that actually does directly tie into what I'm going to talk about today, which is, you know, in a way, um, not impressing upon you, but, but really giving you a broader context 
for what you do as a yoga teacher, as a way to help you access that part of you that is a powerful teacher that has a skill and a knowledge base that really can make a huge impact on other people. And I'm talking about it more in, um, I'm talking about it differently than what we sometimes hear a lot of, which is, you know, yoga changed my life. And I want to share that with other people because it changed my life and I want to change theirs. And that is a, a beautiful thought. In today's conversation, I'm going to give you um, a more specific context for that and really talk with you about certain ways that I have been learning this week um, in particular, and I'll tell you more about that in a second, about exactly how yoga is impacting people and how that makes me even more passionate and more focused on my mission, my focus, which is helping yoga teachers get out there and teach in the most skilled and most confident way possible. Um, and I just know from talking to teachers that there are so many people who could be making a bigger impact or could, or who could be making an impact but instead they are home, they are hiding, they are scared, they are afraid, they are shy, they are feeling uh, unskilled, they are feeling unprepared. And that is um, denying people in their communities an opportunity to reap the benefits of yoga. So that's gonna be in part what we'll get into today. The first thing though, sort of relates to that. And it is, as I said, at the top of the show, one of the themes that came up in several calls I had over the past few weeks. And that's this idea that, that I don't fit the mold of a yoga teacher. And this may sort of sound like something that's come up before. And it's, it's kind of a timeless limiting belief if there's a thing like that, um, you know, that this is, I don't necessarily want to say it's a common limiting belief, but it's something that um, doesn't seem to go away. And it's something that I think sort of ebbs and flows depending on what's going on uh, on social media and depending on, in a way, what your social media looks like. And and I think we can talk about that a little bit too. You know, I'm I'm all for building up your inner strength and trying not to let things bother you. And at the same time, I totally appreciate and recognize and support if you are filtering your social media in such a way that it's not triggering to you, even if on some level, maybe you're avoiding looking at other yoga teachers on social media because it is triggering to you in some way. And maybe on some level, you're feeling badly like, why can't I just get over it? Well, the reality is if at this point in time, you're unable to move past a particular triggered feeling when you look at someone's social media, by all means, take a break from looking at that as a self-care technique. So again, this relates to this, this thought that I hear uh, from people that they don't fit this mold. And you know, the mold is kind of the thin, flexible, uh, white woman. And so I think that, you know, this also ties into the larger theme that I was talking about a second ago about access to yoga, more access to yoga, more yoga for more people, right? And, and when we look at that idea as beneficial to our community, as beneficial to our neighborhood, as beneficial to our county, our state, our world, you know, our country, our world, you know, the globe, the, uh, 
the planet, it means that the more people that are teaching it, the better for everybody. And what's sort of baked into that high degree of accessibility is this idea that the more people that are teaching yoga that look different, the better it is because then there's more relatability for everybody. You know, the idea of access becomes challenging when we don't see ourselves in the people around us. And so I think that, you know, this is one of the things that for yoga teachers, when they have, you know, this belief that I don't look the part, um, that essentially denies someone who might be in their class, who might really relate to them in however they show up in however they look in whatever they wear and you know whatever skin color they are and and all of the characteristics that make make each of us unique so you know on some level you can't just say to somebody oh get over it don't feel that way because that's not a helpful way to to coach someone who has a limiting belief however if we sort of flip the script from instead of me thinking well, I don't fit the mold. What if I flipped the script and looked at it from the perspective of I can be of service to other people through the teaching of yoga. And because I look the way I look and I'm a unique individual, I can build connection with anybody. And there might be some people who connect with me in part because of the way I look. So that's a way to sort of shift the focus from maybe a limiting feeling that I have to shifting it to the person I can help and that energy of being of service. And then there's also just kind of the intellectual framework uh, that I just shared, which is the more teachers that are out there that are all different, the more opportunities there are for students to find classes where they walk in the room and they see someone that looks like them. And, you know, a lot of the, the kind of idea, limiting belief idea around, I don't look the part is, um, is sort of, as I was saying earlier, is sort of reinforced by, you know, a lot of the images that we see. So the more we can be out there, all of us showing ourselves, teaching yoga, taking pictures of ourselves, teaching yoga, having Instagram showing us teaching yoga, the more we can demonstrate that yoga is for everybody and yoga teachings for everybody. You know, it's funny. I put this on my Instagram story yesterday. I was doing a workshop and it was so hot here. The last thing I wanted to do is put yoga pants on. And I was in this quandary of how can I do a workshop online if I'm not wearing quote unquote yoga clothes. And I had a top on that was sort of yoga like, and then I had shorts on and I decided, you know what? I can wear whatever I want. I'm a yoga teacher. It doesn't mean that for me to do an online workshop, I need to be in yoga clothes. I can wear whatever I want. And the value is in what I'm sharing and how I'm showing up. And so that's how I did the workshop. And no one was, no one said anything. And I don't know, maybe people thought, why is she just in 
you know, walking around clothes and not yoga clothes, but, you know, I feel that I provided value and, and that was, that was what I showed up to do. So that's just one example, a little bit related, a little bit different. Um, I just wanted to share that as, as a, as an example of me noticing that I was getting caught up in sort of that scenario, sort of that languaging, sort of that limiting framework of to be a yoga teacher, I need to put on yoga clothes. And then in my second breath, I challenged that framework and said, no, I actually don't need to do that. I can wear whatever the hell I want, present the information and still be of service and provide value. So I wanted to just bring that up as a way to um, give you a chance if you are feeling any of this to kind of buoy up your um, your soul and your mental state and your inner sense of yourself, because I, you know, I just so fully believe that we need as many yoga teachers as possible. So that brings me to the second topic I wanted to share with you, which is really coming from a place of just total immersion that I've been doing this week because I've been participating in Tiffany Cruikshank's uh, Yoga Innovation, um, Yoga Medicine Innovation Conference, which is um, a regular thing that she offers. Tiffany is someone that I've uh, taken workshops from, I've gone to teacher trainings with, I'm part of her yoga medicine community, and she has done in the past, and this is another week that she is offering um, an online conference where she has all sorts of um, people with different backgrounds. They all in common are yoga teachers, but they have all different areas of expertise and different additional certifications and academic qualifications and specialty areas that they uh, focus on. And the whole point of this conference is to show all the different ways that yoga is being used. And a lot of it, you know, because Tiffany's focus and her brand is yoga medicine, she focuses a lot on the clinical application for yoga. And even if you are not teaching in a clinical setting, like a hospital or a clinic, even if you have no interest in that, the reality is when we teach open public classes, we don't know the life story of the people in our classes. And a lot of what um, I'm hearing about in my attendance at this conference are about conditions and situations and diagnoses and medical conditions that people have in our public classes and we don't even know it, whether it's an issue with gut health or being neurodiverse or having balance challenges. I mean, these are things that aren't putting people in the hospital all the time um, and they are living with these challenges. And so number one, that means it's something that we need to be aware of. And number two, the takeaway for me, and I have one more day of this conference or one more afternoon session to attend today, um, the takeaway for me is it all the more emphasizes how important it is for you and for me to be out there teaching yoga because, you know, the takeaway globally for me from my attendance at this conference this week is that it is no more just yoga makes you feel good. Yoga helps you feel good. We're now looking at more because this already has been done before, but there are just more and more and more studies, random controlled 
trials that are showing the efficacy of yoga, the impact of yoga on certain conditions, medical conditions, diagnoses, mental challenges, you know, everything from gut health to mental health to endocrine health um, to physical challenges to um, different uh, neurological brain challenges. So that was really my main reason when I started recording this episode today and sharing with you this particular piece, because, you know, in part, if you're listening and you're someone who really wants to teach and you're hesitating because you don't feel ready, or you took a 200 hour teacher training, but you don't feel like you got the skills that you wanted, you know, if you've got some, some blocks around teaching, like, I really want this episode to give you an opportunity to not so much move past that because you can't really flip a switch. Sometimes you do need to work with a coach, someone like me to give you the support and the training you need to get the skills that you need so that you can go out there and teach. It's, it's just that I really want you from this conversation to appreciate how important it is that you're out there teaching yoga and how important it is the work that you're doing. And I don't oftentimes think yoga teachers really believe that. And the reason I say that is because I hear a lot from yoga teachers that they hesitate to charge for their services. They feel like when they just graduate from teacher training, they shouldn't be charging for their services because they don't have enough experience. And even for teachers who are teaching for a while, just a little bit of this sort of like, I don't want to say laissez-faire because I don't want to be judgmental, but I just really, how else can I say this? I just really want to impress upon you. And I'm going to share a little bit of the detail of what I picked up at this conference in a second. I just am setting the stage for kind of the overall theme for this part of the conversation today, that what, what we are doing is really important. And the thing that's so paradoxical to me is on some level, it seems like some of the things that we show people are and teach people in our classes are so simple, but they have such profound impact on so many different um, avenues of the body. Like the things that I mentioned before, gut health, neural health, endocrine health, um, you know, digestive health is gut health, you know, nervous system health. You know, when you think about some of the things that even just deep breathing can impact in a positive way. And of course, deep breathing is part of yoga practice. Like we just can't lose sight of the benefit to an individual to participate in yoga. And so I just really want to scream it from the highest mountaintop and, and really just tell it to you, if you didn't already appreciate the impact of what you do, really use this episode to reignite that beacon of, of appreciation, not to toot your own horn, but to give you a sense of mission and purpose as to what you are doing. And that's really another piece of it that I sometimes sort of feel is, is missing when I speak to a teacher. It's like, yeah, I'm teaching these classes or yeah, I took this 200 hour teacher training, but oh, I just, I'm not sure how to get going. And everything. 
It's like, look, like you are, you now have a skill that can really change lives and impact people's health. And to not, it's, it's almost like having a superpower, right? And to not take advantage of that, I'm not so much take advantage, to not share that is denying people an opportunity to have access to this to this amazing practice. So with that as the backdrop, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things that I picked up on. And I just want to share these high level topics with you and some just snippets of things that that came out in, in some of the presentations I attended. And again, this is all coming from uh, Tiffany Cruikshank Yoga Medicine Innovation Conference that happened this week. So um, things uh, discussed came up around the stiffness of muscles and some of the things that contribute to stiffness. And one of the takeaways for me uh, in that conversation was just this idea that as we age, we are going to experience increased stiffness in our connective tissue. So things like our muscles and our joints and our tendons and our ligaments. And when I talk about things like myofascial release and how that can positively impact stiffness, so we have greater flexibility, I also, you may have heard me talk about things like hyaluronic acid or hyaluron, which is part of the hydration system in the fascia. And so one of the topics that came out um, in the conference was this idea that um, if we want to um, continue to have good flexibility, we need to keep up with things like myofascial release and stretching, especially as we age, because you know, and it sort of makes sense, but just to reinforce the point, our hyaluron decreases as we age in our body. The other thing that I thought was interesting that came up in one of the presentations was the idea that there's an inverse relationship between age and exercise intensity. And you may have heard this if you're uh, in any of the TikTok or Instagram loops that I'm in for people who are in menopause and how women in menopause actually should cut back on intense hit and intense cardio and, you know, a lot of daily running, uh, and actually do more resistance training, weight training, walking, things like that. I mean, I think everybody has a balance that's up to them, but just in general, when you look at the data, there is, um, uh, data out there that support this idea that as we age, we want to actually decrease our exercise intensity. And I think when you look at it through the lens of women in menopause, there's even more evidence to support that idea. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that this, uh, that this idea of tissue stiffness, we see uh, apparently in different diseases. And when you look at the diseases, um, things like depression and fibrosis, cardiovascular disease and cancer and diabetes. I mean, again, these are the things that are the diseases you don't necessarily see when you look at students in your class. So know that the students in your class that are undergoing chemo radiation, that are taking insulin, you know, they may be experiencing increased muscle stiffness because of these conditions. So the fact that they're in your class and the fact that you're teaching them yoga is helping them increase their flexibility, is helping them with that problem. So right there is a perfect example of the impact you are having from a health perspective on someone in your class. Um, other presenters, uh, there was another presenter that talked about diabetes 
and actual studies that talk about the positive impact of yoga on patients that have diabetes, things like increasing their glucose uptake, uptake so it's not floating around, the glucose isn't floating around in the blood as much, which is of course the problem with diabetes. Increasing insulin sensitivity is found between um, in patients who have diabetes and practice yoga regularly, improvements in fasting glucose. So these are ways that yoga helps people with diabetes. And hello, I'm sure there are people in your classes all the time that have diabetes. There was another conversation around vestibular issues. And so vestibular refers to the inner ear and balance. We know in general, our students in our classes generally, you know, are balance challenged. I think it's one of those skills that we don't really focus on in general. And many sports don't include balance training. And, you know, a lot of sports don't really have specific things that people are doing for balance. So for a lot of our students, it's only them coming to yoga class that they're specifically working on their balance. But in addition, if you have people who have vestibular inner ear or for other reasons, balance challenges, um, they may have uh, a harder problem with balance. The other thing um, that this came up, and this was part of this person's presentation, is that um, some of her patients are stroke patients. So, you know, you might know if someone in your class has had a stroke because they might have some sort of hemiplegia or something in the way they hold their body or walk. That's an indicator that they've had some sort of uh, cardiovascular or neurocardiovascular event. Um, but she was talking about, you know, different things you can do to help people that have these sorts of challenges. And this may even come up if you work with someone one-on-one who has had a stroke or some other kind of event that's affected them from this perspective. So all of the things that we deal with in yoga around creating steadiness in the base, creating steadiness in the body, you know, grounding through the feet, cues to the feet, wider base, deep breathing. These are all things that we can do for all our students to ground them better, to give them greater stability. And again, for your students in your classes who are dealing with challenges around these issues, but you can't visually see that they are and they haven't told you, you are having a positive impact on them. Um, the other thing that came up that I thought was interesting was there were a couple of presentations about gut health. There's so much out there these days about gut health, the microbiome, you know, just getting people educated about how the gut and the health of the gut is just a window to our overall health in general and how uh, yoga practice because of its meditative aspect and its impact on decreasing stress helps us decrease stress in our bodies, which positively impacts our gut microbiome. And also specific restorative practices like yoga nidra really help um, improve blood flow in the prefrontal cortex, which is a part of the brain that um, is connected to gut health as well. So that was another piece. And I don't know that most yoga teachers think about gut health as a particular aspect of uh, the body and general health that is positively impacted by yoga, but it is. 
Um, the other uh, piece that was in a couple of presentations that I thought was really interesting is the, the positive impact of yoga on um, the nervous system, specifically the vagus nerve, which if you are even a little bit aware of that, you know, this is one of the central nerves and it, you know, impacts the whole body. And there are people out there who have a high degree of sensitivity to their inner and outer environment. And there is a bit of dysregulation in the vagus nerve. And so all of what I've already shared with you before, um, you know, in, in some of the earlier uh, earlier presentations, talk about, you know, the benefits of deep breathing and grounding and stability on people who are having any sort of dysregulation in their nervous system that's tied to um, having you know, um, hyperactivity of sorts in the, in the vagus nerve. Um, the other aspect of things that came up, I thought another conversation that was really interesting was looking at, um, how different parts of yoga philosophy can be used to sort of reframe, um, things for athletes when it comes to trying to really do well from a performance standpoint. And, you know, certainly if you're teaching yoga for athletes, this would be a really important topic to dive into. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was that a lot of what was discussed really could apply to anybody. And in particular, I wanted to share one piece of it with you because I've been talking to some yoga teachers lately in my program who are who are um, sort of beating themselves up after they teach their classes and they're, you know, they're kind of coming home and ruminating about the class they taught and feeling badly about how it went. And some of what uh, this presenter was speaking about um, as techniques for her athletes really could apply to yoga teachers as a way to sort of let yourself off the hook. And that's one thing that I really want to emphasize with you that just give you techniques to let yourself off the hook so that when you're done teaching class, you don't berate yourself and make yourself feel badly about what you perceive as something you did wrong. And so one of the techniques that she was talking about was of course, grounded in yoga philosophy, this idea of self-kindness and not self-judging. And so I wanted to just throw that out there to you. And she talked about things like just having a notepad or a notebook where you just do free writing, where you're just dumping out any negative thoughts. So when you're teaching classes and you come home and you feel badly about how they went, maybe just get a notepad and just do a free writing exercise where you just dump all those negative thoughts there and just let them go. But really practicing self-care, you know, even before I went to this conference, I have talked to some of the teachers in my program about self-care techniques that they can do to really appreciate themselves and really show themselves self-love free of judgment so that again, they can put themselves in this high energy state and really appreciate the value they are providing to their students. Um, along with that, some of the topics that came up had to do with just this mental focus of thinking of things as good or bad or all or nothing. You know, this is what is known as dichotomous thinking. And a lot of times yoga teachers will say to me, oh, my class was awful you know, as if there's a good or a bad, and there's always nuance, there's always shades of gray. But when we approach our teaching, 
in this dichotomous way, we sort of set ourselves up to fail. So I wanted to bring that up because if that is something that you're doing, just appreciating that rather than A or B, what about all of what's in between? Uh, and then just some of the other sort of final pieces there was um, a whole presentation about balance and there were some really interesting techniques having to do with just using different props on the floor as a way to get people changing their relationship to the floor and feeling different surfaces. So if you have any ability in your classes to have people step up on blocks or step off the yoga mat um, or step up onto a bolster, that was some of what was demonstrated. And then some of the other things around using eyes and gaze to track things. So as you are taking somebody into, let's say, warrior one, maybe have them grab a block and then hold the block above the head and then bring block down to the left side and then down to the right side. So you're almost taking them through some thoracic twists. Um, those were just some techniques that had to do with balance, even though in that scenario, both feet are on the floor, using the eyes as a way to track something while you're in a pose is a way of sorts to challenge your balance. And then one of the other things, and this will be the final thing that I will share, had to do with a whole conversation um, about energetics and just um, a conversation about when you're teaching, do you feel like when you leave class, you bring the energy of the class home with you? And just topically how important it is for you to wash your hands and really just kind of detach from the energy of being a teacher. And on that final note, I will refer you to my dear friend, Kat Fowler and her podcast, um, the Soul Awakening podcast, where she has lots of grounding meditations you can do and aura cleansing meditations you can do. And I would highly recommend you check out her podcast and do those meditations because they can be a great way to cleanse after you teach your classes, especially if you feel like you're a teacher who takes home a lot of the energy of others when you are teaching. So that's your quick recap of just some of the topics. And I hope that even in that quick recap, it reinforced for you this idea that the work you're doing as a yoga teacher is so important. You're helping people in ways you're not even aware of because a lot of the things that I brought up from a clinical perspective are not things you will visually see in your students when they walk in the room. And yet you are having an impact on them in such a positive way simply by showing up. And even in those classes where you show up and you feel like you, quote, didn't do a good job, their perspective will be so 100% wholly different, and they will feel fantastic for the yoga that you provided. So I wanted to give you that to sort of buoy up your sense of, of your mission and your purpose. If you're at all feeling like a cork in the ocean, like you don't have one, this is enough for you to sink your teeth into more than enough. And if you already were feeling fueled by that mission, I hope this gives you even more of a boost and more of an emphasis on getting out there and teaching and doing it in the most powerful, authentic, skilled way possible. And on that note, I'll say, if you are in a place where you know that there's so much more you could be doing, and maybe you're someone who's not teaching and you want to teach, but for a lack of skills or a lack of understanding anatomy or a lack of being able to put yourself out there in front of people, please contact me. Let me know that you heard this podcast episode and you want to get yourself out there 
or get yourself out there more or get yourself out there in a different way, a more powerful, authentic way. And I will find out more about you and let you know if you're a teacher that I can help by working with you one-on-one. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I've loved sharing it with you. And I can't wait to chat with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days, I want you to DM me confident teacher heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.